Welcome to the Polish show on 103.2 Dublin City FM and online via dublincityfm.ie. Two weeks after Russia commenced her full-scale invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, this evening we're very appreciative to be able to bring you what will be a very informative interview on the background to the current conflict. Our guest is Dr. Bojena Czerlik from the Department of History at University College Cork. Dr. Czerlik is an expert on Polish and East European history after the First World War and is a recipient of the Bene Merito Honorary Distinction awarded to citizens of Poland and foreign nationals in recognition of their merits in promoting Poland abroad. Firstly, thank you very much, Dr. Czerlik, for agreeing to join us this evening for the Polish show on 103.2 Dublin City FM. To begin, could you give our listeners a brief overview of the evolution of Ukraine as a separate identity in terms of language, culture and desire for nationhood prior to the 20th century? I understand that at one time, much of modern day Ukraine was part of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. I am very happy to be part of this Polish show. I suppose, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we have to discuss such a, a, a tragic events and un, unfolding in the 21st century where we thought that by now we as Europeans, we are able to resolve our disagreements and conflicts in a slightly different manner. However, uh, Ukraine is, you know, it's it's part of the big family of European uh, nations. It's uh, since 13th century, it, it was known uh, already as a kingdom of Ruthenia. And from 1569, on foot of Union of Lublin, uh, uh, which established the Polish-Lithuanian uh, Commonwealth. The most of the Ukrainian lands were uh, uh, transferred from uh, Lithuania to the uh, a crown of the Kingdom of, of Poland, becoming the Polish uh, territory. The time brought with this political pressure of uh, colonization and many landed gentry of Ruthenia converted to Catholicism in order to join the Polish nobility. However, the peasants began turning for protection to emerging Zaporozhian uh, Cossacks and and they, I suppose, did not shy from, from taking up arms against Polish state, which they sometimes uh, perceived as their enemies and occupiers. And I suppose the best example of it is the largest Cossack uprising under the leadership of Bogdan Khmelnytsky. The uprising against the Polish Commonwealth and the uh, king and it resulted in creation of Cossack uh, hetmanate. However, the uh, political arrangements uh, between Russia in Poland later on in 17th century divided the lands of Cossack Hetmanat uh, between them, uh, reducing the the Polish proportion of uh, Ukrainian claimed territory. The uh, Tsar Peter the Great removed Ukrainian and Cossack aspirations to autonomy. The uh, 
Ukrainian elite never received uh, the uh, a freedom and the autonomy they expected. The Tsarist uh, policy, uh, policy of Russification and suppressing of use of Ukrainian uh, language was in place. And in the 19th uh, century, we have a growing and I suppose the cultural trend of romantic uh, nationalism and it resulted it in uh, national uh, uh, rebirth of Ukrainian language and culture. And I suppose the best examples you can we can use is the poet uh, Taras Shevchenko, for example, or the political uh, uh, theorist uh, Mikhail Drohomanov. The uh, nationalist and socialist parties uh, developed in the late 19th uh, century, mostly in Galicia, and uh, uh, they would be uh, the beginning of the modern uh, Ukrainian uh, nationalist movement and their road to create independent uh, Ukrainian state. How would you characterize Ukraine's period as a constituent republic of the USSR? The uh, Ukrainian people took part in, in, first of all, in the First World War on both sides, the on the side of the Imperial uh, Russian army and the Austrian-Hungarian army. And at the end of the First World War, they became, I, I suppose, Galician-Ukrainian army. And this, you know, taking account into the, the, the I suppose, as Bolshevik revolution and its turbulent uh, times eventually created or led to establishment of the Ukrainian Republic within, uh, uh, within Soviet Union. However, the, uh, starting from the, as an outcome of Soviet industrialization and the program of collectivization, it resulted in interwar period in what is known Holodomor, the Great Famine in Ukraine, where millions starved to death as a result of this policy. Second World War had a huge effect again on Ukraine as estimated nearly 8 million people died in the war and and including one and a half million of uh, Jews killed uh, during the war and the uh, monument to commemorate this is this um, in Babi Yar which was uh, last week shelled by the by the Russian uh, forces. The after the Second World War, Ukraine, I suppose, experienced. Ha- a little bit of love from Soviet Union, as some of the Soviet uh, leaders had a great relationship and affiliation with uh, Ukraine. For example, uh, Khrushchev was mm. um, a Communist Party secretary in Ukraine. And I suppose he was the first one who began to emphasize the real uh, the real friendship, inverted uh, of commerce between Ukrainian and Russian uh, nations. And even in mid-50s, on the anniversary of the Treaty of Pereyaswav, it was greatly celebrated. And uh, at that time, uh, Crimea was transferred from the Russian Federation 
to the Ukrainian one. A Soviet Ukraine was a, uh, became a European uh, leader or Soviet uh, uh, leader in industrial production and especially when it comes to the arms industry and it brought, I suppose, heightened role of Ukraine political elite and uh, many members of the of the Soviet leadership came from uh, Ukraine. And again, the most notable example is Leonid Brezhnev, who you know had a profound effect on uh, on uh, geopolitics in East Central Europe. And then this huge transition happened in East Central. Uh, Europe, uh, starting from Polish solidarity, then to you know the the elections and the uh, the fall of communism or transition from communism to democracy, and Ukraine uh, was part of this process as uh, from uh, from from 1990 we have the uh, Ukrainian parliament adopted a declaration of state sovereignty of uh, Ukraine and uh, established the principles of of self determination uh, democracy independence and most importantly, the priority of the Ukrainian law over a, a, a Soviet-Russian law. What has been the trajectory of Ukraine since independence in 1991, in terms of its orientation towards at first Russia, and especially in more recent times, the West? Well, I suppose Ukrainian uh, is always, uh, was always regarded as an uh, important part of the Soviet Empire, uh, Ukraine was one of the founding members of, uh, for example, United uh, uh, Nations, as agreed uh, during uh, Yalta, for example, and uh, it was regarded uh, as a, a breadbasket of the huge Russian and Soviet Empire. Uh, uh, therefore, it is always and it will always be quite important uh, part in the Russian uh, national narrative. However, uh, from 1991, we have um, we had a historic uh, meeting in Białowieża uh, between uh, Russian uh, leadership uh, uh, Yeltsin, Ukrainian uh, Leonid Kravchuk and the Belarusian uh, Stanislav Shushkevich, which signed, uh, they signed association of the, the Accord of uh, Cooperation. And I suppose, you know, it's uh, uh, geopolitics play important role in Ukraine. It Ukrainian uh, policy and Ukraine uh, nationalism always have to be aware of the importance and the and the presence of this huge uh, Russian neighbor. Its influence, for example, uh, you know, in 2004 when we had this uh, Orange Revolution where against the rigged uh, presidential elections and against, you know, the Russian uh, influence in Ukrainian affairs. Uh, later on in 2014, once again, the attempt to change the course of Ukrainian uh, uh, politics to 
to facilitate a close and uh, a relationship with Russia again resulted in Euromaidan and then later on it actually had uh, huge consequences for for uh, territorial integrity of Ukraine. Uh, uh, therefore, uh, Ukraine politicians have to do uh, quite important the balancing of act between East and West. If we look at, at even recent attempts at a president um, as president uh, before the invasion who uh, said that you know that uh, Ukraine does not want a war that Ukraine uh, prefers to resolve its problem its its uh, disputes and its grievances in a different matter therefore this balancing is is it is a very fine line between the West. Uh, however, uh, Ukrainian society is much more uh, are, are believes that their future and uh, association is with with European uh, Union. Uh, they believe that they they are part of this democratic uh, family of nations. On the other hand, Russia always resisted uh, Ukrainian move towards uh, NATO and European uh, Union accusing uh, NATO of uh, threatening uh, historical future of the Russian nation. You're listening to The Polish Show on 103.2 Dublin City FM and online via dublincityfm.ie. Our guest this evening is Dr. Bojena Czerlik from the School of History at University College Cork. A difficult question I know in the current context What's the Russian perspective, and I know you've alluded to some of these points already, on their historic relationship with Ukraine? I suppose the most uh, recent uh, document which very much laid down the issues of Putin and Russian relationship with Ukraine is the document written by Putin uh, last year in July 2021 and it was called On Historical uh, uh, Unity of Russians and Ukraines. And in this document, the main points presenting by 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 Putin are that uh, uh, Russians and Ukrainians are one people and that the current Ukrainian borders are historical anomaly and that Russia was robbed by creating an independent uh, Ukraine and if I may quote from the document where uh, Putin uh, said, I am becoming more and more convinced of this, that Kiev simply does not need a Donbass. And I am confident that the true sovereignty of Ukraine is possible only in partnership with Russia. Therefore, I suppose Ukrainian statehood and the Ukrainian uh, national idea pose a threat to Russian uh, uh, imperialism, I suppose. Could Russia accept a Western-oriented Ukraine minus the Donbass, minus Crimea? Is it a case for Russia that they have to have all of Ukraine, given their historical outlook? I might maybe uh, differentiate between the Russian national interest or maybe the Putin 
idea of uh, how the Russia uh, will look, uh, uh, what is uh, the, I, I suppose, you know, the, the uh, what constitutes the vital importance for security and the integrity of Russia. I suppose, or, you know, when you look at the recent events, it, it was Putin's pressure on Ukraine not to sign the uh, association treaty with the European uh, uh, Union in 2013 that uh, sparked the protests, ousted pro-Kremlin uh, President uh, uh, Yanukovych and the whole uh, our Euromaidan revolution. And then the uh, the Russians' response to it was the seizing of certain uh, uh, region of uh, Crimea and triggering rebellion in the east, backing separatists in Donetsk and uh, Luhansk. Again, when you look at the uh, a linguistic uh, composition in Ukraine, then the eastern uh, parts are much more Russian-speaking parts than, for example, uh, Western Ukraine. And this is, uh, again, historically uh, uh, determined people movement and the transfer, if I can uh, put it uh, this way, of population uh, during uh, during Stalin's uh, time. And, you know, uh, 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 if, for example, expulsion of Tatar, uh, Crimean uh, Tatars, and the settlement of Russian-speaking population in Crimea. What's your view of how Western countries have handled the evolving situation, and also the strong support Poland especially has offered to President Zelensky in pursuing the orientation of Ukraine towards the West? I suppose uh, Poland already championed the Ukrainian case, uh, especially on the Forum of European uh, Union, as you know, it is of vital interest for Poland to have stability at, at its eastern borders. And the example of this would be only recently in 2020, at the meeting which was called the Lublin Triangle, of Poland, uh, Lithuania, and uh, Ukraine. And the purpose for this was to champion uh, Ukrainian aspirations, democratic aspirations, and it's possibly uh, a long road to uh, European uh, uh, Union membership. What it brings with this is, you know, the awareness of consequences of war between Russia and uh, NATO even nuclear war and it makes them it makes leaders aware of uh, of need to avoid this conflict it, you know it, it, the already it brought a deployment uh, of nato uh, troops to baltic states and poland it brought the activation of rapid uh, uh, nato rapid reaction force and it brought unprecedented support for uh, uh, Ukraine and as well, you know, highlighting uh, the heroic uh, stance for the independence. And then, you know, we have uh, uh, iconic people 
Greg Zelensky, who is, you know, who addresses European leadership island, for example. However, you know, then we have a practical outcome in terms of sanctions how this is going to trans, uh, translate into the resolution of this conflict. It's very hard to say, it's very hard to see the moment. It's, you know, it's determination on the Ukrainian part to preserve the uh, independence, to preserve the sovereignty. And this is what uh, Poland champions. An even more difficult question. What do you see as the most likely options for how the situation in Ukraine will develop over the coming weeks and months? What's the best case realistic scenario? And also, what's the worst? I'm not sure. As you know, I, uh, we all hope that the, uh, that the war will end uh, soon, that this is going to be some uh, compromise uh, reached. Uh, you know, is it in longer terms, it brings the reflection, has Putin actually overreached? And uh, does it mean that it might bring eventually peace uh, downfall? Even, you know, in a very long uh, perspective, it's very hard to uh, uh, say. However, what what one can see uh, immediately, it's the, that it actually, this conflict exposed uh, the weakness of international law. You know, it is not just a conflict about the borders and land, but it is uh, as well, it shows the weakness of international justice system. And uh, I suppose, you know, it, it highlights the determination on Ukrainian part and especially if we if we look if we if we quote uh, President uh, Zelensky who said before the conflict that these two countries did not need the war not the cold war not the hot war not the hybrid uh, war however uh, he said that when you attack uh, us you will see our faces, not our uh, backs. Uh, therefore, the long-term ter- uh, scenario is very uncertain. It's very hard to predict. It is going. I suppose you know the 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 uh, the only uh, certainty is that uh, people of of Ukraine as well as the Russian people will pay the greatest price uh, uh, in this conflict. And we all may have to live with the consequences of this conflict for a long time. Finally, do you have any reflections on what impact the war in Ukraine, including the resultant massive influx of refugees? and the worldwide respect for the entire nation's handling of the crisis to date will have for Poland's future development and position in the world. I suppose the war has uh, highlighted how important is, you know, the humanitarian aid and how important is the international community involvement to uh, to help uh, displace a, a people and so far 
it looks like the biggest displacement since the Second World War. It is predicted that the, you know, the the migration of displacement would be even bigger than uh, what happened during the 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 Balkan uh, conflict, and you know, and as well, what it shows how important is the, I suppose, involvement uh, of the local level, the whole community level, especially when we're looking at, you know, uh, uh, more than uh, 1.2 million people across the Polish border. And from from the very beginning, this, uh, you know, people mobilized, local uh, administration mobilized uh, and followed uh, by help on the national uh, level, the, the army of volunteers and, and help not only from Poland, but uh, from the whole uh, international community, uh, and I suppose you know it's 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 um, uh, such a huge numbers. Uh, uh, you know, it might be later difficult to manage. Uh, therefore, it is not just the Polish humanitarian aid; it needs to be the pan-European involvement, and we do see it on a huge scale. Everybody is involved yesterday 25 trucks went from uh, dublin five uh, from cork with uh, with help uh, and and hoping to bring people back as well to help them you know and especially i suppose you know it's we have to think of the impact as well on the ukrainian society what will happen if a lot of the men die and we have women with one, with young uh, 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 children. They will uh, require a significant uh, help. They will uh, require a lot of uh, protection for the uh, future. And in terms of Poland, I think the country's international image has been hugely bolstered by the nature of the response, both the official response, the response by ordinary people. I've spoken to a number of people in Poland who've told me that many Poles are even taking young Ukrainian refugees into their apartments, into their homes. So there certainly is a huge outpouring of goodwill across Poland in the face of what's now 1.3 million refugees having arrived in the country. Absolutely. I come from Lublin, which is not very far from the Ukrainian border. Uh, most of my friends who are in Poland have taken their cars and drove to a Lwów to bring families who are not able to board the trains back to the Polish border because there is no uh, seats available. Uh, therefore, and the, you know, they come and wait 10, 11 hours at the border to cross to bring women, children, sick uh, children. Orphanages are being set up along, uh, uh, for example, one in Kazimierz, uh, not very far from Lublin, to accommodate children. And this is the scale and the extent of help, you know, selfless uh, behavior of a lot of people and a very dignified response on local and uh, national level. Thank you once again, Dr. Cherlik, for your time this evening. 
and most especially for the insightful analysis and historical perspective you provided. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tavshisko is at the Polish show na 103.2 Dublin City FM na 10 Tijin. Dziękujemy, że byliście z nami w ten wieczór. Dobranoc.